Blog Talk Radio. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, You guys want to start the show? Let's start the show. Welcome to Saturday Morning Serial. Uh, hey, guess what? It's me, Dan Grimshay. Joining me, of course, is Marquis. Say hey, Marquis. Hey, hey. And good morning. I'm saying that in quotes because it's 12 a.m. when you're listening to this. It it is it? It might be. <laughs> I get a how, feeling. How do you know so much about a, me? I get a feeling this is that kind of morning. <laughs> Johnny and Heck. joining us, of course, is Johnny Heck. Hey yo, you just figure, you just freak somebody out that's listening to this at like midnight. Like, What's get out happened? of my mind, Marky. <laughs> I know. I just, I got a feeling. Yep. Somewhere yeah. it is one twenty six p.m. in a blue Toyota Corolla. <laughs> yeah, I know. I do and drive. Susan is listening to us. Ooh, <laughs> watch the road, Susan. I know, but that's not, that's, that's not what's really happening today. Yeah. No. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Hey guys, you know what always cracks me up. Comedy? Comedy. Comedy. <laughs> Let's talk comedy. Yeah, I'm not okay. saying we're going to be funny because uh, there's a lot to talk about in comedy. We're going to leave the funny part to our guest. That's right, because we are talking to professional comedy comedian who has a uh, comedian's degree in the comedy arts, mm-hmm. I believe. I'm not sure who hands those out. But Jason Salmon. Yeah, Jason Salmon, whose uh, new album just came out recently. You can go find it yourself on iTunes, etc. Jason Salmon, we actually have a force of nurture. We have a clip, and we have a little clip for you. You guys want to hear that? Yeah, I do. Hey, Magic Clip Machine, give me a clip of Jason Salmon. To me, it's not important who you vote for, how you believe. That's not important. What's important is do you make a difference? Do you make the world better? Do you see a need? Can you meet it? That's it. That's all that's important. And I try to do that. I do. Like for my grandpa, for his birthday, I bought him a Bluetooth headset. Not because he likes technology. He doesn't. But he talks to himself. Yeah. Now people just think he's busy. He's just standing there on the sidewalk going, I ain't paying for no mammogram, you know? Which we all know is something he used to say to my grandma on manicure day because he's not good with words. <laughs> but people walking by him are like, Obamacare's ruining that man's small business. You know? It's nice. 
It makes them feel important. That's nice. It is. And I think the other thing we got to understand as humans, we have a lot more in common than we think. And the biggest thing that we all have in common? Stupidity. It is. Because it's everywhere. It is. If you don't believe me, when we're done here tonight, just walk this block one time and listen. You'll hear something. I heard this. I heard a woman saying to her friend, she said, my daughter's 20, going on 21. And I thought, you didn't need that last part. Because most people know how to count. And I get what she was trying to do, because it's based on an actual phrase, but the key to that phrase is that you've got to have a gap between the ages. That's the thing that makes it interesting enough to say out loud. You got to say something like, my daughter's 20 going on 50. Like, that's probably a much more interesting story right there. You got a college-age daughter who's acting menopausal for some reason? Yeah. I want to hear about this. You can't just say my daughter's 20 going on 21. That's like saying my daughter's 20, and I don't think you understand how age works. That's both stupid and douchey at the same time. Nobody likes that person. And we laugh, but the fact is we're all stupid. Everybody in here, no matter how brilliant you are, you're stupid at something. If you're out there right now thinking, not me, I'm not stupid, guess what? You're probably the dumbest person in this room. Probably are. And I say that knowing full well that I'm stupid. I do. Because I sometimes I'll go to those restaurants where they read you the specials before they take your order. And I realized recently, I don't think I've ever gotten through a full list of those specials and understood everything that dude said. I always get thrown off by something. Ganache? Come on. That feels made up to me. It does. Bronzino? I think that's a fish. But it sounds like a tanning accelerator, also. Sometimes I get defensive. You said cranberry reduction, and I'm not sure what that means. But I feel like you're going to bring me less cranberries. Just bring me the right amount of cranberries, buddy. Let's be friends. That waiter looked at me like I was stupid. He did. And he was 100% correct. He was. And there you go. There's, there uh, there's just but a sample of Mr. Salmon's good work. <laughs> pretty, good. pretty, pretty funny. You know, he's good. Yeah, he's funny. He's good, man. I, and I love comedy. I mean, well, I, I, we all I, love comedy, but I love stand-up comedy. Stand-up comedy. About. I like comedy. And we are talking about comedy. And I think that is germane to uh, us serialites. Yeah. Because we we went through the '80s comedians, the, the Elaine Boozlers, Jerry Seinfeld, the, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, who really kind of came into uh, the public consciousness in the '90s. Bill but. Maher, uh, uh, who's the guy from Law and Order? Blazer. Uh, Richard Belzer. Belzer. No, Richard Belzer. I remember him. Uh, um, yeah. well, John, I mean, not, not John. George Carlin was Carlin. one of his contemporaries. Sure. There was, but Carlin's there was older a stretch of, yeah. There was comedy became a big business in the eighties. Richard Lewis, and then it was uh, it like I guess franchised in the nineties when you had uh, stuff like the Comedy Central, et cetera. Comedy has always been a business, but we watched it go from, you know, the Jay Leno rolled up uh, sport coat 
uh, sleeves. Yeah. Uh, and the, hey, what's the deal? <laughs> yeah, that that we, whole thing. We, we've seen all of that come and go. We've watched comedians then transfer to primetime TV mm-hmm. to the point where every show was a successful stand-up comedian cashing it in. With uh, uh, Tool Time, uh, Home Improvement. The, yeah, Tim uh, Allen. That, that, was, yeah. that was literally the punchline of his biggest stand-up gig, the, oh, the, uh, 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 you know, oh yeah, making the, the big man noise. Yeah, yeah he was that like, was the whole. That was men are big dumb beasts. Too bad we run everything. Yeah, that was. And they, that was him. They made it a whole sitcom. Yep, and yeah. so did you know Roseanne, Bill Cosby, Jerry Seinfeld, Bill Cosby. You were able to roll your your comedic persona into your into a sitcom, a sitcom, and yeah. also yeah. movies yeah. too. And, that's like, what, and once it started working, they were all all the networks were going to comedians saying, "This is your next step." Seinfeld, li- so, he so actually literally was happen. the life of a stand-up comedian. And, and throw it back to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. to the um, laziest one was the best. <laughs> that's a throw, good way to put it. Throw it back to our uh, to movies too. And our last guest, Bobcat, he was able to roll his character. Into movies, famously. Yeah. Dice Clay was... Adventures of Ford Fairlane was not a bad movie. That I wasn't his character, it. though. But for, Well, it is similar. Yeah, but that was a thing. But, but no, no, wait, wait. I'm not going to... That's a great movie. I love that movie. I love yeah. <laughs> But I, it's, that's not his stand-up character. Yeah. But, but yes, you know, I... Same kind I of yeah. arena. Anyway, they're able to kind of roll that in in the 80s. And, like, yeah, the 90s got kind of like little... Pauly Shore-ish and uh, a little bit different, but there's a new yeah. renaissance. I think comedy clubs are back uh, in a big way here in San Diego. I go to the American Comedy Company all the time, and, and there's oh. a great club. Well, that's just one of a, a few here. One of a few here, yeah. I mean, there's the La Jolla Comedy Store. I've been there. And that, and that I've been actually there many dates times. back to the, uh, that's the Shore family. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that dates back Missy to the 80s, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the, the Carolines and stuff For like that. For those of you that don't know what the hell we're talking about, there's a very famous, it's called The Comedy Store in L.A. That's where everybody came out of, right? The, yeah. every, everybody had to go All through the West there. Coast guys, and absolutely. Missy Shore was the owner, and Polly Shore, who we all know and love, is her son. Mm-hmm. And Missy Shore just passed away recently. But I used to I used to work down the street when I first moved to San Diego. I got a job in La Jolla, and I worked down the street from the from the oh, from the La Jolla Comedy Store. And if you went in there like on a Thursday night, it was just a two drink minimum. They give you free tickets. You can go in there, and so what if and it's they make tw- you if, chuckle? So what if it's twenty five dollars yeah. a fucking drink? Get some chuckles. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I chuckled my ass off. It was it was a good I, I love stand up comedy. And, yeah, and stand up comedy has just been a staple. I think for us, our generation, we watched it change and grow, and how much impact it has. When they get someone like Jerry Seinfeld who mm-hmm. can do any show he wants, and he says, "I just want to hang out with comedians." Yeah, borrow people's, you know. Classic cars. cars. <laughs> yeah, I watch it. I love that show. Which and between him and uh, you know Jay Leno, maybe there there might be something to that. Does the successful '80s comedian mind crave classic cars? I, I, apparently so. Right to us it's at Stay Classy SDCC. <laughs> I think. Tell us your um, thoughts. Just a really brief theory about that is that uh, to a certain extent, all. All men, all human beings want cars. And if you have enough money and enough time, you're going to collect cars. 
But why is I mean I mean honestly guys, what's the deal with art? <laughs> you're not gonna be it's you're, a grown up you're not gonna Seinfeld our conversation. It's a grown up it's a grown up collectible. Like if you are maybe of this income bracket, you collect I don't know, uh, a Batman and Robin action figure. Or if you're a multimillionaire, you're collecting a, a house, you know, a, <laughs> you know yeah. all these old cars. So well, I, it's I have to also thing. imagine, since we're mentioning it, Jerry Seinfeld must have an action comic, you know, number one or something. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he would. Why right. not? I, I mean, would. There is a, a more evidence pointing. Apparently, we, uh, we're spending a lot of time justifying <laughs> why, why comedians <laughs> belong on our show. But yeah. I mean, you think about that. Jerry Seinfeld has probably spent more money on Superman stuff yeah. than any one of you fuckers listening to this has. Well, and it's also He's because famous he was, for being a Superman fan. Yeah, he was actually in an American Express commercial alongside Superman once. So this guy is kind of making money off of Superman, not the other way around. He's got some pull. I guess, I, you know, uh, Johnny, I feel like we, we shouldn't even tell Mark that Superman's not real now. I, you know, we had to tell him Santa wasn't real last time, so I don't want to just give him a one-two. Oh, one the tears. It's it's still rough from the last one. So. All right. Hey, Marky, Superman. Marky, come over here again. Yeah, uh, I'm here. I'm here. Uh, so what I was saying about Superman is that, you know, he's obviously real because I've seen him in a TV commercial alongside Jerry Seinfeld. That's yeah, right, absolutely. buddy. That's yeah. right. <laughs> and, so, and remember that time he came to your birthday and you got those Polaroids? <laughs> I, I still have the Polaroids. Oh, I don't right. have to remember. I have well, that's right. You are a Superman mm-hmm. special buddy. I've got all kinds of evidence. Uh, but yeah, I, I, uh, what that we talking? Oh yeah, stamp comedians. Uh, yep. I've uh, again famously, my family stole cable. I'm still, I'm still trying to make amends when I was a kid. But we stole cable and we had HBO. You know, well, no, no, we paid for the cable, but we stole the HBO. Sure. Um, and yeah, I grew up on that stuff. I grew up on all the old comedians, not, not the old comedians, but. In like the renaissance of the standard oh, comedian, the HBO you know? specials, the HBO were, specials the, yeah. were the tits. Like if you had an yeah. HBO special, yeah. you were Jake Steiner, uh, were Dennis Wolf, Jake Johansson, Jake Johansson. Oh, God, I love Jake Johansson. So good. Uh, who was the one that was? He um, actually had a competing pilot with uh, Seinfeld Lost Out, but I liked his more. Yeah, where he was like right. a thirty-year-old high school student, <laughs> as I recall. <laughs> Listeners, let us know again at Stay Classy SDCC if you remember this, you remember this or if Grimshay is crazy. This obscure fucking TV show. It could be a fever I dream. Think it was the uh, the, the uh, Chronicles. Jake's head. No, the Johansson Chronicles. I want to say. All right, yeah. uh, uh, We're I, I don't want to derail this because sure. again, we actually spoke to a real live functioning in the business comedian. Living it, Jason Salmon. Living it, yeah. funny dude. He's funny like, guy. Funny, smart dude. Uh, we did listen to his interview. Uh, no, we listened to his actual. We album. Like, yeah. Yeah. Album. His album, I mean, Force of Nurture, Jason Salmon. You can get it. It's already out. You can find it on uh, iTunes, maybe on Stitcher. What's that name again? A lot of places. Jason Salmon's Force of Nurture. Okay, I'm going to try to say it It's a joke on Force of Nature. I have a a hard time saying that word, but I'll try again later. 
He's gonna he's gonna work slowly towards <laughs> sounds, his goal. That sounds good. Nurture, but well, you, make make a list of words you have trouble. And with. also check it out. Force of nurture. <laughs> nurture. Forces of nurture. We, the nature of nurturing can be moist. Marky, <laughs> can you say that back to me? The nature of nurture can be moist. Yeah, Did that's that's it? gross. So <laughs> I said think, moist. So everyone that's freaked out right now. No, I, you, there's a lot of comedy options right now with Netflix. Oh. How many specials we have? I think I have a special on there, and I've never done stand up before, which is weird. <laughs> yeah. um, no stars, very very unpopular. Well, but honestly, no, they, it wasn't that funny. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of it sounded like you were pooping or choking someone. <laughs> no, that, that's one and the same. Um, but um, you have a lot of comedy options. You have to kind of find the gold. I mean, a lot. Of, they wouldn't have a special if they weren't funny. Yeah. But I also feel that. There are other ways. Just don't dive into Netflix. Get these these albums off of iTunes. Get get these other cats that may not have this fucking Netflix flick special and, and check them out. And this is one of them. This is one you need. I, I, I actually think to even uh, you guys should definitely buy his album, right? But secondly, go and find him. You know, uh, oh, yeah. he's. I'm sure he's coming to a town near you. These guys are hardworking. They're always touring. They're always trying out new shit. So even though you're going to buy this album that's already very well polished and funny, he's probably going to try to even make that better. Try yeah. To, try go to out, pick it up. Grab him. See yeah. where he is in public. Grab him by the shoulders. Whisper in his ears. Kiss him in the mouth. Your words are in my brain. He would love it. And just so you can get a few more of his words in his brain, here we have a discussion he and I had just recently. Magic interview machine. Give me some Jason Salmon. Jason Salmon, stand-up comedian whose new album just came out, Force of Nurture. Jason, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right, so I'm going to we're, we're going to uh well, let's just go with the cookie cutter kind of stuff right away. Uh okay. I I heard the album, uh, of course, I laughed my ass off. Big recommendation from me. <laughs> uh but Thank uh, you. Now, now I've got to ask, uh, what what are your influences? What who who did you listen to growing up, and to, to end oh, up with, with your own sets here? Uh, I think uh, Steve Martin was uh, was maybe my first influence. Just the weirdness of that guy. Um, it, it made me think about things in different light. I think that's one of the first things that I ever uh, learned in comedy. Is just him just being strange and it being hilarious and i thought you know what that's i feel like strange is something i could do oh, right. well, um, correct answer right out of yeah. the gate good work <laughs> thank you very much yeah uh i think yeah i mean that's I, there's so many great comics that's the beautiful thing the more you listen to the more you realize oh this guy's got a great take or this woman's got a great take or Whatever the case is, you find I, – I would say that at this point I could probably name a 100 to a 1,000 voices that have influenced my comedy. <laughs> it's uh, like at any point earlier on, did you ever feel like, you know, until I've really got my legs under me, I don't mind cribbing a couple lines from him or I bet no one's heard Bob Newhart in decades so I can, <laughs> I can borrow from that. No, you know what? I'm like, I'm just going to be not as good as I can be uh, until I get as <laughs> as good as I can be. You know, uh, I, I always found that, um, 
like every once in a while somebody will have an idea and and they'll take it one direction and I'll be I'll be like, well, I've got a different take on that same idea, but it's got to be my voice. I would say that's as close to paralleling somebody's thought process as I've ever been. But uh, yeah, it's not something I just I find that it's so uniquely your voice when you're doing stand up that uh, that you almost it's almost a betrayal of your own journey uh, to figure out what's funny uh, to to try to take somebody else's or look at somebody else's material as your foundation. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's what uh, Steve Martin was so good at, and that's part of why it attracted me. I'm like, this dude has a point of view that I've never heard from any person on Earth. And uh, that's always been attractive to me, being the weirdest thought process in the room. <laughs> well, was there a time, like, uh, like I'm curious if, you all along knew that you had your own voice and you just had to wait until you stumbled into comedy to be able to express it. Or did you say, I want to be a comedian and I'm going to find my voice as I go. And I, I'm, do you feel um, like you have your own voice now? Maybe I was jumping the gun. <laughs> no, I do feel like I have my own voice now. Uh, but it took me a while to figure it out. I, uh, because I came from acting originally and acting, is almost the opposite of finding your own voice. It's finding the voice of a character uh, that you can exist in. So uh, it's almost diametrically opposed to the found, to the way that you approach comedy. So I, I knew I could stand up there and talk for five minutes, whether it was funny or not. I never had a problem standing on a stage and getting people to watch me perform. But uh, But to actually say something in a way that I felt reflected me or was true to me at the same time as it entertained the people in front of me was always the, you know, which is finding your own voice. Um, that was always the challenge of it. So yeah, it took me a little while I, because I did, I sort of, because I'm from Texas and I sort of, that's a big part of me, but you know, being in New York city is a big part of me as well. So those are, you know, uh, colliding courses almost. Um, and it was uh, it was a little bit of figuring out uh, how how can these jokes uh, what makes these jokes work for me and once they work for you then everything falls in all falls into place okay. uh, because yeah you want it to be funny to you before it ever even reaches the stage so if uh, so so anyone listening out there if you if you want to be an actor but you feel too lazy to do the work. Just go ahead and get yourself a tight five and go from there. <laughs> the weird thing is, man, it is uh, if, if you can't memorize things, then try to write things. <laughs> That's, that would be my advice. And if you can't write things, then try to memorize things because those are that is where you're going. <laughs> Acting is all about memorizing and living in a part that exists and making it full. And then, you know, they give you the package and you just have to fill out the existence of it. And then in stand-up, it's like we're going to give you a place to stand and everything else is up to you. Well, having done both, do you think one is easier than the other? Of course, it would just be for you. But did you get into comedy because you said, well, this is easier? Or because you said, I, you know, if I'm booking myself, I know I've got a gig. Or, you know, what was that transition? <laughs> what was the final straw? 
Well, there is on the psyche. Comedy is something that you can go and do an open mic or, you know, all the time. Like I, I was able to go and get on stage from the outset before I had any ability whatsoever doing stand up. So so in that vein, it's easier on the psyche because you can pretend you have a job. Of course, you're paying to have that job and you're not being paid to have that job and you stink at that job. and It's not rewarding at all. But you can still tell yourself that. Uh, but I think I think that uh, I do I do acting, uh, you know, in, in uh, TV stuff where you where you actually have to memorize lines and and fit into a bigger picture thing. And then uh, I also do commercial acting, which is a lot of improvisation and just creating stuff on the fly. Uh, and to me, that is the easiest thing to do is just be stupid spontaneously um so that i you know i think i think the commercial acting is is one of my favorite things to do um because of all that freedom and you just get to go out there and just just live in this thing you know um but stand up is the thing i connect to most because i because i'm narcissistic enough to believe that i have stuff that people need to hear so <laughs> that that feeds both my need to perform and my need to uh be self important <laughs> well then uh you know getting an album out that's uh that's got to be so much justification for you oh yeah yeah i'm definitely using this to validate my uh existence for years to come well, you know, I I know that in this culture there was a time when comedy albums were like a huge thing. I, you know, I'm not trying to let any air out of your tires or anything. Yeah. But, you know, like back in like a lot of people watching with the the marvelous uh, Mrs. Maisel and stuff, maybe just learning right, that right. some of the biggest selling albums back in the 40s, 50s, 60s were all spoken word comedy. They were yeah, like some yeah. of the biggest pop stars around were. You know these middle-aged guys wearing cheap suits, uh, and they were right. everybody was listening to them. Do you think uh, has that like been replaced by the stand-up special, like the Netflix special now, or do you think there's still, uh, you know, are, are people still buying the albums in the podcast age? Yeah, I think they are. I think the albums actually have been aided by the podcast because the podcast is sort of this hybrid between radio and comedy or radio, uh, you know, an opinion. Uh, and and uh, they're almost a tangential or they're almost a, a parallel to the comedy album. So, you know, if you're listening to a comedy album, you're not listening to somebody talk about the day's news in a funny way. You're listening to them just do stand up comedy in a funny way. So I think I think the podcast downloads that, you know, the way that everything's digital now has fed into the digital age of the stand up comedy album. And by virtue of that it also has made uh stand up comedy albums much easier to produce because back, you know, in the days of Lenny Bruce, you're talking about getting the recording made with equipment that only a few people you know in america could afford to have <laughs> um and and then on top of that you had to put it on a vinyl record which even to this day because i i debated putting mine on vinyl um to this day is still cost prohibitive <laughs> oh it didn't, didn't uh, make know, it to so, the vinyl cut huh <laughs> i did make some vinyl uh 
some vinyl uh, sleeves, which uh, which is as close to I'll get as I'll get to vinyl, I think, <laughs> because vinyl costs so much money. So, well, but, that's uh, better than nothing. But like that made it, yeah, that made it back then uh, a lot harder to get an album out there. Um, and uh, and there were less comics too. I mean, I mean, you were dealing with a much smaller pool of comedians, uh, so it, it wasn't a thing that as many people went into, you know, viably. Uh, but now there's so many outlets, whether it be Netflix specials, whether it be, uh, I mean, every every cable network has some finger into the comedy world. Uh, so you're going to see stuff popping up on all these random... You're going to see comedy popping up on channels that you don't even right now know are even channels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, uh, it really really seems like comedians are some cheap uh, labor for uh, for channels all <laughs> we over. We try not to be. But that's, that's the hardest thing about being a comedian because we know from a value standpoint that we can make your whatever your event is or your uh, you know your show is we can make it exponentially more valuable to your audience but at the same time every single one of us would probably step on a stage for free just because we love to do it so much <laughs> so we got to figure out our worth somewhere between free and thousands and thousands of dollars you know yeah and that's a, that, so, that can't be easy but I'm glad you know you're able to make it work Plenty of funny people yeah. in the world, but not a lot of paychecks going to them. So, good on you. Yeah, yeah. That's, you try to make uh, you try to make it uh, get a little green in your pocket. <laughs> well, uh, well. Now, now, look, I feel like we've uh, we've covered kind of the basic stuff, but I had a couple other questions. That okay. I mean, being able to talk to a working successful comedian, uh, I think we are in a time in our culture right now where everything uh-huh. is. Uh, uh, it's hard to say how much it's changing, but it's pretty clear. There's a lot of voices calling for change. Uh, there are some uncomfortable truths that some people are facing. Uh, and the world of comedy has always been kind of that safe space. I mean, it was a place where you could get away with pushing the envelope further than than most other people. You could say things on a comedy stage that, say, a you know, a news anchor or a sitting president would never say. But right. you kind of get away with it. And now, I don't think this spoils anything. I'm not giving away any punchlines. But, you know, in, in your act, you uh, you do an, you, you recognize social, uh, racial, uh, gender stuff. You know, you're not yeah. like Andrew Dice Clay just throwing it out there and seeing what reaction you can get. It's measured, thought out, and very funny. But, like, right. that was, that's been such a mainstay for comedy for so long. Are we entering a time where you kind of have to think more about it? Like, are comedians thinking once they write an act and say, this is getting laughs, but does it put me on the right side of history? I think, I think that part of being a comedian is you're trying, to, you're trying to figure out life, just like everybody else. It's just that you have a perspective on it that, that you know, can make people giggle in the meantime. Uh, so I think there's a part of being a comedian that is that is being a philosopher. Uh, you know, if if you were to compare this to ancient Greece or or uh, um, you know things in the past, that it, there's an element of that at play like that. Um, but I I think the best comedy always approaches these things um, not from a standpoint of 
I don't want to offend anybody, and not from a standpoint of I know my point of view, which unfortunately the world we live in, most people say, I feel this way, now I'm going to try to figure out how to rationalize it. In comedy, you go in with, with a uh, theory, and you may disprove it by the time you get to the laugh. And that's perfectly fine because, you know, you want to analyze a thing in, in a way that, that maybe people haven't thought about before. Um, and I think that we get, we've gotten to this point in our, in our world where we get so intensely involved in the emotion of a thing and we lose sight of the actuality of the thing. And the fact is, is it doesn't matter what gender or what race or what religion you're from. You're a person and I'm a person. And my goal as a comedian is to make as many people laugh, no matter where they come from, uh, as possible. And so while I'm covering subjects that may be divisive, the nature of what I'm trying to do is inclusive. Um, and if I can find the perfect balance between a topic that might divide people and a manner of speaking about it that includes everyone, then I've accomplished something that I don't know gets accomplished in a lot of mediums in the world. And, and I, I, I think you, you explained it very well, and I think that's exactly like the role that, at least in – society and culture as long as i've been alive that's a role that comedy has a unique ability to touch on i just worry yeah. now like with the with the twitter age and st can you just get shamed right off the you know the metaphorical and literal stage even though it's something that would have been perfectly acceptable five years ago two years ago i mean ancient rome was great about or you know ancient greece great about the philosophy and trying to be analytical but as far as I know, they never had a Me Too movement. You know, there was never uh, such such a uh, an unbalance in you know open discussion. Now I'm maybe getting too political, but you know there well, was more think... leeway to say the wrong thing. I think in all aspects, and comedy kind of thrived on saying the wrong thing and then making it right. So you know, think, is there a sense? The difficulty in comedy now is that it used to be that when you saw a comedy special or a comedy show, you were seeing sort of a finished product. Uh, but comedy is – there's so many venues to see comedy in all sorts of forms uh, that people sort of pretend like every single thing is – uh, has this extra weight to it. I mean, people consider Twitter and Instagram comedy, and it is in these bite-sized pieces, but when people are putting out the amount that they're putting out, you can't treat every bite-sized piece as if it's a well-constructive thought process. And I think, I think the difficulty is that the comedic fandom is much more of the belief that they could be funny and so there's less of a there's less of a reverence for somebody who pursues trying to figure out these things and I, and I don't think that inherently just because you try to do it that you deserve reverence uh but I definitely think that 
you know, you get the, on the wrong side of somebody's Twitter feed, uh, and you you can you can be uh, yeah. I wouldn't say yourself shamed off stage, but you could have people that won't hire you because of that. Um, and and I think sometimes that might be right, and sometimes that might be wrong. And unfortunately, we're not in a world where there are controlling elements to separate the two. Um, Should there ever so be those controlling elements? Uh, I think I think that there's a there's something to be said when there were uh, gatekeepers, you know, that sort of decided what got seen by a mass audience. Uh, that 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 did help the mass audience be able to consume it. But at the same time, if you're Lenny Bruce during that period where he got arrested. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he was doing things that the gatekeepers decided should be illegal. I mean, like lawfully illegal. I mean, there's an argument that that's not good at all in his case. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think he would I, agree with that. You know, but I don't know that he would have uh, really enjoyed the Twitter age either. <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah. he definitely would have had a very niche audience uh, that he would have been able to cultivate better than he was maybe. But you know, for him, it was nightclubs back in the day and uh now it would probably be a specific twitter feed and you'd probably have people marching against them too so uh it's interesting to see how it all evolves but uh i always think part of what makes comedy interesting is the danger of thought uh in changing people's minds and in disrupting this sort of uh sheepish thought processes that we all sort of fall into because life is hectic and it's tough and we prefer our news and sound bites and things like that. And so analysis by way of comedy may be evolving to be the only analysis we get in our information cycle. Wow. Uh, well, that's it. Plus, I think you stumbled across the uh, title of your next album, Danger of Thought. <laughs> Uh, it definitely could stir some uh, emotions, I bet. <laughs> Which, again, is something I think comedy, at least for now, still is you know one place where you should feel absolutely safe to do it. Uh, audiences should yeah. feel absolutely safe to go on that trip. Um, and you know what? As long as we've uh, gotten to, into uncomfortable topics, I have one other question <laughs> to ask a professional okay. comedian. Uh, this is something that's kind of been bothering me, and I think on a certain level a lot of people in America for the last few years. Uh, the, the big example for me would be Bill Cosby, who, uh-huh. uh, I mean, we've all definitely got a public opinion of him now, and the uh-huh. court of law will follow all that through. But when I was a kid, I was a very anxious kind of kid. I had some uh, social anxiety very young, and a, a family friend gave me a, an old Bill Cosby cassette, one of his old you know, early 70s albums, and I would listen right. to that like almost every night. And then, you know, the the fear of outside, the boogeyman, the, you know, I was convinced an army of home invaders was always right around the corner. But hearing that tape right. and that laughter always kind of uh, settled me down enough to go to sleep and to realize the world is not full of evil. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and then when I was in late teens, early 20s, I got to see a couple of live Cosby shows such a great time. I mean, the guy had a skill. 
I know I probably shouldn't be coming out and saying that, but he really did. At what point can, do I have to say, well, I guess I was wrong. I have to invalidate that memory or that enjoyment. Because I, I know I can't go see to. a Cosby show now. Right. Well, I think there's a there's a point at which once you know or, you know, uh, I'm, and it's been adjudicated in a court of law, so uh, so there's a legal definition of, of what his existence has been. Uh, so that makes it even easier because you can say, yeah, well, legally this man is guilty of sexual assaults and drugging women, you know, so you can actually literally even say that with him. So he's He's the most distinct of of the many people who fall in this area of yeah. great artist, bad person, maybe. Yeah, but um, definitely no think, shadow of doubt to hide in now for me as an audience member. Yeah, no, I don't think you do. But I don't think you have to invalidate that. Look, I, I think Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time, and please don't equate this with, you know, raping somebody but he's a horrible human being and i know that now uh and i look at his career differently on a le on a certain level because the wiring that made him so great of a competitor made him such a terrible human um is that a sociopathy uh you know i mean you can spend hours and hours getting in the psychology of that but i think it is okay to have felt a way about a person's art and for that to have gotten you through a thing. And we have always, I mean, I, I, most of us have people in our lives, like like people who are just either family members or good friends that, that have done some terrible things but have also helped us uh, too. And we know that these are not necessarily good people, but whatever our interaction with them has been has been a positive interaction in our life. And I don't think you have to say, well, just because this is a, let's say the person's evil. This person's evil, but just because of that, I don't have to deny the fact that that he helped me through a time. You know, uh, I I think you, we can rationalize that. It's not easy to rationalize that because it's easier to say, hey, we want Superman. Mm -hmm. You know, who who was just this perfect sort of dude who always did the right thing. Uh, but most of us are dealing with somebody more in the long, in the lines of the X-Men who may have done some horrific things, you know, uh, but, but have still helped us in some way or another. And I think that's, I think that's the hardest part of it. But I, but I think if you can get to where you can realize that, Hey, you know, a person could be awful, and also do good things. And a person could be great and also do a bad thing, you know? Because mm -hmm. uh, that helps, you know, helps you to think about those things in your own life and how you interact with other people. And, and as, uh, as I, like a thought I, exercise, that's great. But, you know, you're not going to see the Cosby show on the air anymore. And that, no, you know, I think uh, my philosophy with things that are bad is that, Try to – I always want to try to make them as good as I can possibly make them. Uh, and a lot of times that takes an active good on the other side of the spectrum. There was this story about this uh, – I think it was a German town who had these Nazi uh, sympathizers that marched through the town all the time in, in, in the last 10 years or so. 
and they would come in every year and do this march. Well, these guys all banded together in this town and decided to make the march uh, a fundraising thing. So the the march fu- raised funds for uh, for gay gay uh, helped out gay people who were struggling with homelessness and stuff like that. So they put all these pink banners up and when these Nazi guys came into town <laughs> marching through town they all cheered them along because the more they marched the more money was raised for this foundation that these Nazi guys were totally against <laughs> but it basically used all of this hatred to do something good and I think if you can figure out ways to say you know what this is a bad thing but how can this be done good like I would love to see the Cosby show uh, on air where all of Cosby's money that would come from that would go to causes that helped battered women or that helped people who suffered, you know, all of Cosby's funds would go straight to there. So that that sounds like all the people who acted with him were, you know, would still get paid because they didn't do anything, (laughs) you know, but his stuff would go to help a different cost, you know. I mean, maybe that would be a good way to handle that. And that, that does sound like good on paper, but it also sounds like now we, as the audience, we're we become part of the activism behind it, and we're not watching it just for the Cosby Show. We're watching it to stick it to Bill Cosby and help someone else, which noble as it might be, isn't really the job of an audience. Like, at what point can we say, ah? You know, sure, Fatty Arbuckle killed a woman at a party, but he made great silent movies, you know, and then just watched them as movies. I don't know. Like I said, like if I ever find that tape again, I I would be very tempted to then go looking for a uh, tape player. But assuming I find that, I would love to be able to put that in and listen to it. But I know now in my mind, it's going to be hard for me to do that, not out of guilt, but just out of I won't be able to shut a certain voice in my head up to really right. sit and, and feel what I used to feel from that exact same recorded performance. Yeah. I mean, I think on a certain level, that's like learning Santa Claus doesn't exist anymore. I mean, I don't think it diminishes that you had a happy childhood waiting for Santa, you know, to, to give presents that you discovered in the morning, but you know, you can't ever look at that the same way again. Uh, and, and it's much more benign than that. But yeah, I think yeah. I think that that's true. You'll never be able to listen to Bill Cosby do any sort of comedy that he ever did. You'll never be able to hear it the same way again. Yeah, um, and I think, and if Santa was putting roofies in the milk, I don't know if I could have played for that <laughs> Castle Grayskull. There's a there's a line right. I think yeah. that. Yeah. You know. I mean, I definitely chose a more benign <laughs> example. <laughs> Than that, but you know, it's one of those things that uh, it's the world we live in. That we know a lot more than we used to know, and it's tougher when you know all the things. Because when you know all the things, you have to make these weird decisions that you never thought you would ever have to make. Yeah. You have to decide whether you want to listen to the comedian who you always thought was one of your favorite comedians, and that. You know, that's that's the difficulty of an age where information is uh, available to everyone. Yeah, uh, is that it comes it comes with a responsibility, and I think that's a lot of what we're trying to figure out as as society is how to deal with the responsibility of knowing so much so quickly. 
And I don't know if society has ever kind of had to face this. So we are asking brand new questions of each other, I think. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I, I really appreciate that you, uh, you know, let me do that, put you through that. Uh, I promise everybody oh, this absolutely. is promotional for a very funny album. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, my album is ten times more whimsical than this comic. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you will feel no guilt. <laughs> well, that's right. Go out, get it now before Jason Skeletons come pouring out of his closet like we're all all probably going to go through, and that's just the new reality. Uh, <laughs> that's a terrible way to <laughs> me as a person. But, uh, do buy my album. I, do, I agree with that part of it. Yeah, yeah. I might have to do some editing on this one. But uh, listen, again, I really want to thank you. Uh, I think your insight is very important, and uh, these are questions we've all got to answer. And in the meantime, yeah. I love the special. There is, you don't thank have you. to think this hard about it, everybody. Put it on, listen to it. Uh, I mean, there's not, you won't be offended. If that's what you're worried about after hearing this, you won't be offended. But you might be challenged. Yeah, I you know what I've performed uh, jokes from this album all over the U.S. Uh, and uh, in different countries, and people like it all over. So uh, I I do uh, I do recommend listening to it. And uh, the great thing about this is you can think as much as you want about it. You know, you can listen to it a second time if you just want to listen to it the first time and just laugh at it. And then the second time you can listen to it and say I'm gonna ex- explore what he's talking about. I, I like to feel like that's that's how you can do it. If you uh, you can do it either way, you can go light on the thinking or heavy on the thinking. <laughs> you know, once you get the album, you can do a different level of thinking every single day you listen to it. That's every the beauty of the comedy day. album. <laughs> you can get it everywhere except and we're on vinyl. the holidays, so give it to people. Yeah, that's everywhere right. but vinyl. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Jason. I really appreciate it. Uh, I really enjoyed the special, too. Uh, and I'm going to be keeping my eye open. If you're ever out in San Diego doing something live, uh, I'm going to try and get down there and check you out. But in the meantime, I'm going to keep listening. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Dan. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Uh, and next time you've got one coming out, give us another call. I had a great time here. Will do. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Have a good one, man. Bye. All right. You too. Bye-bye. The cereal that tastes like powdered donuts. Just to remind everybody, that was a real thing. Yeah, like in uh, 1982. Just eat a fucking donut. Like, (laughs) they don't taste like donuts. They are little tiny donuts. Well, yeah, this was this was the 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 brilliance of marketing because they were just, as I recall, I think I had them. They were like vanilla flavored uh, white powder. Uh, sugar-covered Cheerios. No, uh, I was... Well, yes, yes. I, I guess in flavor, yes. But it's like it's the opposite of the cookie crisp cereal, which Wait. was just little tiny cookies 
They they looked like little like little yeah, chocolate chip they cookies. Like chocolate chocolate chip cookies. And, and they were and the little yeah. mini donut things looked like that. I remember yeah. it was just all part of that drive to hey kids, you know what? You could have donuts for <laughs> Wait, breakfast. Wasn't oh, there, so wasn't, this is a this is even, a loophole where they're not even trying to veil you into. <laughs> they're not even trying to veil how much sugar we're giving you right now. There was an old <laughs> SNL sketch with Belushi, like the first the first generation. Uh-huh. Um, he was like running a race. For a marathon. Oh and no, like, that was. Uh, and he was eating donuts. Donut, donut, ch- chocolate right? donuts. Yeah. Yeah. That, and he was yeah. like in the little Olympics. Little chocolate donut. <laughs> little chocolate donut. And he's like smoking a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> Belushi's all. Yep. Oh, oh it's so good. Yeah. Comedy gold, right? And and as I recall, it was the uh, uh, they actually used like the little mini. Like the ones that come twelve in a little sleeve uh-huh. I at remember the end that cap of yep. like a circle K. I think they were actually just putting those in a bowl. <laughs> right. It was before their time. They weren't as subtle as cereal companies learned to be. But I think that's. I mean, look, we just we just dug out three different jokes uh, on the premise of sugar cereal. That's right. I mean, that's basically what it was. And why? Because Why? comedy is everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. That's it's right. That the, was Jason Salmon. It's in, it's in your breakfast cereal. That was Jason Salmon, professional comedy person. Jason Salmon, spelled salmon. Jason Salmon, his new album, Force of Nurture. It's out now. You can get it. Uh, obviously, that conversation got into some, I think, heavy themes. Uh-huh. That's why I'm saying we're taking kind of a serious look at comedy today. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you guys think? The whole, you know, Bill Cosby, can we look at an artist's work versus the artist themselves? What do you get away with? Johnny Heck, take this round table. Yeah, we've actually, you and I have had this conversation about Bill Cosby, and we've talked that story you shared. We've talked about it before, and I think it can be difficult to separate the man or woman from the art. I think I brought up when we had this conversation before, like a, a guy like Michael Jackson, um, who's still beloved despite many allegations of kind of heinous activity. But it's about separating the man or, or you know, the woman from the work and the level of heinousness associated with it. So everyone's a, a dirtbag to some varying degree. So what is the what's the no more obviously rape? I mean, I, I don't want to joke about it, but yes, heinous, he's done. But sure, certainly there's a lot of comedians, comics out there that have done bad shit. So what's the cutoff point? And I think yeah. we see a lot of that in Louis C.K., you know, um, and the shit well, he's no done. no one's even called for him to be arrested or anything. Yeah. Right. I think the national conversation, it's at the tone where we just want to be like, hey, man, just disappear for longer. Don't try to act like you can just jump back into your old life and see how it feels yet. If well, that's your strategy, what's the, disappear for longer or what's the be more vocal then? about it. But what is the whole sentence here? It's just right? well, I, I don't want to you know, just focus on, on Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. on this because I feel like he is uh, – I hate to see – now here I am going to fall into a trap of like uh, quantifying the offense of these things. But you know, Bill I guess Cosby, in a, ugh, in a Louis C.K. Yeah. So the you actual get that difference, the, yeah, and I then something, and I'm glad you brought up like Michael Jackson because that's one where he never got convicted. Versus Bill Cosby, like day in court, sure. he went away in shackles. I think the actual question though is, 
it's not whether any particular person did something or didn't do something, but if I interpret the question correctly, it's basically, it's based off of the premise that they're guilty of this. So at what level is it not okay to enjoy what they did? We're not getting into if they or didn't they do it. Let's just assume they did it. At what level well, oh, see, are see, you? At what level can you not enjoy it anymore? Are you not allowed to enjoy it anymore? Yeah, you know, and I and I yeah, and I do hope to get to that. But you know, I also want to say like, who is because we can still watch like. I don't think there's any calls to take Louie off the air. I think maybe Lucky Louie. A lot of he, yeah, he, lost, he lost a lot of deals. That only lasted a year anyway. Well, he lost a lot of deals. He had a movie coming out. A lot of it was shelved. Yeah, but he did get a, a movie shelved right away. So there actually lost is. a lot of contracts. I think it, when he finally started appearing, one of the things he said initially, I lost $35 million in a day or something. I mean, I don't know if he was looking for, you know, someone to fucking cry him a river. But, yeah, you know, so that happened right away. Again, so that's more of a... Uh, societal kind of we're, we don't want you anymore. Although it's not um, necessarily it's not criminal action to court, right? But and, that's not the question you asked. What, what but you no, asked no, no, is this is what like, we're talking you know, about here. But this is, when can we not enjoy it anymore? Isn't that the question? That's how I heard it. Sure. Yeah. No, like we started. We're having a conversation yeah, about yeah, it yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah, and I hear you. it's like at what point do we say, okay, well, I can still listen to this guy or that guy, depending on the degree or, or the, um, the 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 criminal charge or the conviction or this or that. It, yeah, it's just, these are things we have to consider odd. now, though, can, is the crazy part right. to me. You and know? can we forget what Cosby meant to you? Or maybe you have Louis C.K.'s name tattooed on your ass, Marky. I don't know. I haven't seen your ass <laughs> lately. But lately, that's weird. But you know, but <laughs> yeah, so eight it's years like ago, who would have one? But now he might. So, might. And, and what? And then again, what it means to you? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, as a fan, so it's just it's just bananas, man. And it's something you have to, I guess, look inwardly to figure out how far we go. It never, and we just you say know. No more. Um, you know, I'm going to attempt just to simplify it all. Uh, you even talked about it with our guest, Jason Solomon. Mm -hmm. The You had this, this, like, memory of Cosby and the particular routine that he did and, you know, how much it kind of affected you, right? Yeah. It was, right. Yeah, right. like, so, demonstrate so how much. That, that's going to be, that's always going to be in your head. And uh, you can't really negotiate out of that memory and how it made you feel, how it made you laugh. So you're, you're kind of just stuck with it. Exactly. It doesn't make you a bad person because of what – whoever said it, whoever put that in your head, I mean, that's just a record, man. It's just – it's out there. It's like you looking at a picture on the fucking wall, and it's a Van Gogh, but at the same time, he was fucking thinking about horrible, heinous shit, Right. Uh, Maybe he was doing horrible, heinous. It doesn't matter. Well, you're then, fucking looking at this thing. And then, for argument's sake, Hitler was a pretty good painter. He wasn't. Have you seen his paintings? Well, they don't look. I mean, you know, nothing jumps out at me. I'm not an art critic, but I'd be like, if one of those were hanging there in a hotel room, I'd be like, well, that's appropriate. Yeah, I mean, if that skill level at least, it looks like it belongs hanging in a frame. What I am saying is that you can't really be responsible for the effect that a particular piece of art has on you it doesn't really mm. it doesn't really matter how the art uh, 
is created or how it got there. It's just if you see if you see a natural thing like a natural wonder. If you go to Joshua Tree National, if you see a Joshua Tree for the first time, sometimes it just affects you in a certain way. Whatever got the tree there is not your import, It's not your responsibility. That's true. It only happened. It happened to you. And if you're, you're going trying, you are give just as much of a victim. Hug, you're just you as will much, get burned. You're so just as much of a of a victim as anybody else here in how they are to fix you. So that's what I'm saying. Like, let's just, you can't be responsible for it. And to get back to my original point is this, you haven't heard it in years. You haven't heard that cassette in years. True. But I could quote you probably Maybe so. 20, 30% so, of it. So at this point, like that particular comedy, and this is the effect that all these scandals are having on us. The comedy that you experience and that you got to hear and Hitler's paintings are nowhere to be seen anymore. And that's what's going to happen to Cosby. You're just, it's, he's going to erase. True, but uh, like uh, that requires a certain social communal effort. Like we've all just got to be like, you know, I, I personally will never listen to or watch or whatever a Cosby anything. And if for some reason, like, I have a crazy adventure day where I go out and get a hold of just happenstance, end up with this same cassette recording, and I find a, a tape player. I'm like, oh, I've got to listen to it. And I end up, like, on the bus, and a bunch of people see me listening to a Bill Cosby tape. Does that mean, like, I am sitting there like... No, you know, a skinhead reading Mind Kampf right. on a like public you're, bus. Like, <laughs> yeah, like you're in favor of what happened. See, I, but, like, if, but is the social uh, signal not, supposed to be support for rapists? Cosby's uh, this this Cosby album. He's not joking about raping anybody. In Mind Kampf, he was actually talking about subjugation and world domination and 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 supremacy. So that's not that's not okay. Fair like, enough. Like, you know, fair enough. art and manifesto are different things. Like this is this yeah. is just somebody that just created something that you enjoyed in some specific way. What he does after the fact right. so it was is a not skinhead looking at a painting by Hitler. Right. Like that's different. More. All yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a fair point. And, okay. And it hurts a little bit too because when you see something that was important to you when you were younger, especially, and then knowing that the person that created that thing that meant a lot to you is now a villain and a very bad person, how do you take away that piece of art that, you know, that, that was created by a fucking terrible person, you know, like to a smaller degree or maybe a similar uh, degree, um, like usual suspects. I love that fucking movie, but thinking about what's going on with Kevin Spacey, right. how do you, you know, still watch that movie yeah, and enjoy Brian it. Singer so, too. I hate to be another one yeah, of those right. voices. So, but I mean, there's a lot of these examples. I don't want to get too far down the well, but it's interesting. Well, then will you watch it again? Yeah, I I have. It was on uh, TV, and I was just kind of jamming to it. I was like, yeah, fucking. Kind of, and they're like, oh, yeah, Spacey's a fucking dirtbag now. But also was during, probably filming this and before. So he was always and, – and Cosby was probably doing that shit. And if you remember, especially about Cosby – there was only already allegations about that, and it wasn't until I think Hannibal Burris. Yeah, he, yeah. He there was like a watershed moment, but there was always, and I remember that joke going back. Like, I call it a joke, but it was like something like earlier season of uh, Thirty Rock had that joke. Yeah, which one? 
the one, uh, there was something where they had to impersonate Bill Cosby on the phone with Tracy Morgan uh-huh. in the show. And he's like, Tracy, this is Bill Cosby. And he's like, well, you got some nerve, Bill Cosby, after what you did to my aunt in Philadelphia. Wow. Back yeah, in 1973 like or something. They did that. It seems like I never people knew. Up on that. If you look back, I think when Seth MacFarlane hosted the Oscars, he made a crack at um, uh, Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. And you tell know, me that didn't make sense to you, though. I was just like. Especially a guy like you. Come on, Johnny. You, you, uh, you follow big, the trade a papers. Bi- a big Hollywood player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm always walking around with my uh, Even I had heard, like. Uh, didn't uh, Family Guy have a scene where uh, Kevin Spacey oh, had yeah, somebody that chained was, up? No, Stewie, Stewie, he goes, watch this, Brian. And he ran through a mall naked. And he goes, help, help, I just escaped Kevin Spacey's basement or something. Jesus. And yeah. so... And so, so, yeah, so he was on. He, he was he was in on that. And do not for not nothing, in on it. I but he a, knew about it. I have a buddy yeah. who told me years ago. He used to valet at this joint in L.A. He goes, dude, I see Kevin Spacey, and he would share some stories about. It. I go, I believe my friend, but you thinking, oh, well, maybe it's not that bad. But then when this shit comes to light, I texted him. I'm like, you fucking said something like this years ago. He's like, yeah, dude, like that's why I said it. So people know they still get hired. They still get jobs. They still have great careers, but it's one of those kind of movements that happen. It could be a Hannibal Burris that makes a joke that goes viral. It could be some kind of hashtag but on comedians Twitter. Comedians were making jokes about it long before Hannibal Burris dropped that. I right. think it's more a combination. The, the mood had to be right. And mm-hmm. activism is, man, it's having its heyday now. It's, it's, and, it, and it's an interesting time for comedians, like Jason was mentioning. You know, it's. The line is blurred, especially on social media and, and Twitter, where, you know, you have people that might be comedians but not comics. You know, they don't do stand-up, but they're cracking wise. So they're making little little targeted, little short little comments on society but not really building up a routine and actually having a big, long, thought-out process. So they're just going for the quick hits, you know, that to get a bunch of likes, to get a bunch of – retweets to get a bunch of followers, but they're not really saying anything. They're just, it, it's almost like a late Sounds night like joke. Kenny you know? Youngman. Uh, <laughs> well, well, you know, that's like, exactly um, what one like yeah. et cetera, are. But I, I also took it to mean like, uh, you, like he was saying there was a time for comedy when all the acts that you saw, the general population, was just the final finished polished it was, product. It was it was very produced. But now yeah. you have comedians who kind of have to keep up with a you know a Twitter audience, an Instagram audience. They have to kind of keep dropping their, you know, it goes right from a, a little notepad when they wake up in the morning to one more revision, and then maybe onto Twitter to see what it is. And then if you happen to have the N word in there and you're not paying attention. Oh, your career's over. I, I'm a, I guess I'm a little bit more positive about it because, you know, uh, there's a couple of Twitter celebrities that they just they just spit out this fucking tweet, and it's like a sentence, and it's like this perfect joke that captures the vibe of current events. Uh, you know, there's a lot of Trump mm-hmm. shit or whatever, but it's it's so subtle and it's so direct. It's, it's like what... Uh, Johnny Carson must have sounded like to people, right? After they got through the the highly produced Red Fox album or the 
uh, Bob Newhart album, and then all of a sudden this one guy's coming out every single night and just hitting you with these little punches yeah. of current events. That's what we're getting now at Twitter. You know, like there's yeah. real comedians out there. There's real art going on, but it's it's different. You know. Well, I think also it, it the way an opening monologue like on a, like Johnny Carson would do works great that night. But I'm to watch one from three years ago or something. Yeah. It's it, like in retrospect, it feels sloppy. It feels mm-hmm. Johnny Carson turns into Jay Leno real quick when yeah. it's not topical. Right, and topical humor. I think a lot of comedians, I mean, if you look at, like, again, we've talked about uh, Netflix, there are a billion specials on there now, and a lot of it has to be topical to kind of be relevant, but if you look at the true great albums, and I don't want to be, oh, comedy was great better then, but look at, like, old Carlin stuff, prior stuff. I could still Universal themes. You know, yeah. Universal themes. Even yeah. though it's 20, 30 years old, it still holds up. And for me, uh, just call me a... a fucking jackass but um that's the true gold that the shit that could resonate for decades and still be that's the problem though, because, because cosby's stand-up is that way oh yeah it's still yeah, really cosby, funny it's, it's, it's about, about it's about growing up and about it's a uh, family it's about a family about and relationships it's completely relevant and you know Good way to bring it back. Mark. It could be, it could yeah. be any, you know, whatever you felt at the time. I just, you can't feel guilty about that anymore. You know, but you know, do you guys remember that little sound effect? Oh yeah, the um, was it a Fat Albert? He had the little... no, it was the little. Um, uh, he would like paint. He would like color and draw. Yeah, was it during oh, Fat Albert? What show was that? It was like a short. It was like little yeah. tiny clips. Yeah, it was Saturday morning, I believe. Maybe it was. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, dude, and the Cosmic Show and all that shit, but you can't erase that from your heart and your mind and all that stuff. But, well, you know, it's a fiber it's like that's a, already woven into me. I just. It's like a death. It's you know, a death of. I guess the question then for me, and this, uh, because I'm using my story as an analogy, because I think everyone will have something like this, especially the more you learn about the human nature, et cetera. I don't want to get too nihilistic about it, but, you know, now deep down, is this is this bright thread now darker than it was? Can it still just be fine? And, okay, if we really want to start drawing lines, I'm curious, when is the latest in, uh, in time, and be honest, gentlemen, <laughs> that you would have gone to see a Cosby show? Like, for free expense, not an issue. You definitely would have had the night off. Would have sat front row. Is he currently? Well, currently is he, he's in jail. Okay, but I'm yeah yeah. So is but he? Am I? Am I? Performing am I watching him as as recently as you know, like what two two and a half years ago? Right, he was still doing shows when this. So was he's not this really old man with one wide eye. Dying in a jail cell. That's what you're saying. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to see him before this all broke. He, he still well, it's there. up to you. When if you oh, if you okay. say the last time you would have been willing to watch would have been like 1989 or something, then you would have seen him then. But so it's up to you. Well, see, no, if you no, say you, now, you though, can still see a show, let's say right. Well, I, I I have a very specific answer. It's only because I've seen him live before. Okay. And when I saw him, he did one of his old bits, 
You were you were at one of the same one I, I went. Yeah, to. I'm Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I don't I don't remember the bit, but I knew I knew it from the from the Cosby himself. Uh, HBO special. Oh, this, this oh, yeah. the one where he pulls out the dentist bit. The dentist. That's the yeah. one. That's the one. And so when I saw him, the what I remember most was that he kind of he kind of played one of his greatest hits, and I got to see him do it live. That that was that was that's what I remember most of me seeing him once before. This was twenty years ago, twenty five years ago. Um, so to me, to, I've seen Cosby. Right, it, you know, just to be real literal, like to answer your question directly, yeah. in this particular case, like I've seen him, I wouldn't go see Cosby anymore. Like, you know, you're done with him. Yeah, well, I, I've always been because that was a moment in time, a long time ago. So it's an act like Dave Matthews, where you see it once and that's it. You really have no desire to see it again later. No, that one, it's different experience every every time. Oh. Well, maybe we just differ on uh, Dave Matthews then. Maybe so. Johnny, you you a uh, Dave Matthews fan? Oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't I like the music. I, I'd rather see a Cosby. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, but to answer your question about Cosby, I can't unring that bell. So I can't say, I, you know, if Marty McFly pulls up with Doc and takes me back in time, I'm not going to go to a show knowing what I know now because I'm just going to see, oh, is he going to rape somebody tonight? Well, see, now that's, that's kind of cheating because you're saying right now. Like, clearly now no one would show up to a show. But after these allegations picked up steam and he was on the the publicity defensive, he was on tour. Sure. And he was still getting more than a half house, at least. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Every night while he was out there with reporters fucking, like, watergating him, trying to get in the back end. The heckler got kicked out of, the, of some of the shows. Yep. I wouldn't have gone to that. Now, now... If Bill Cosby had the power to get a heckler kicked out, I mean, can you imagine what, I mean, obviously in prison, he's not going to get a heckler except in his bum. <laughs> That's what they call it. <laughs> but but you know what I mean. Like, like as recently as two years ago, he was still making money mm-hmm. touring. People yeah. knew all these allegations. He was still I making was, money. I don't think it was as soon as two years ago. But I, I, I get and, what and maybe, you're saying. Maybe it was three years but ago, you know, four like, years ago. But it was after the joke had come out. I just You're not going to get the, the answer that you're looking started. for here. Because like Cosby's not relevant to us. Maybe we could talk about Louis C.K. because we, cause he, he, he is still a relevant comedian. Well, you know, Cosby's not a relative comedian using... anymore. You know, like he's just, he's not relative. He hasn't been since we were kids. So like... um. You know, Louis C.K. has just done a whole new album. Uh, I guess he got a Netflix special. Sarah Silverman just talked some shit about him recently. Not 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 some shit, but apparently she's seen Louis C.K. jack off a few times, and he had she her permission. Consented, right? Sometimes and, so, and sometimes did not. But it, you know, this and is I, just I something think she that got he did. Her own trouble this there. is just something that he did. Now, that's pretty weird to me. I think it's weird. To ask someone to watch you do that, I mean, unless you're like hooking up with them, that's a different story. I don't, you know, whatever. Like, whatever I think flavor. anyone can have but, uh, a fetish, though. It yeah, doesn't yeah, sound yeah. like it's actually harmful unless it comes from someone with authority, and, and that's, that's where it crosses the line. And that's where it crosses the line, sure. exactly. Where I think when Sarah Silverman was saying it was like, you know, he had no authority over me, I had no authority over him, and we just did it. We were fucking like twenty-three year olds. Yeah. 
work until 4 a.m. on the comedy circuit. And so, yeah, it happened. That's, I, I, I get all that. So, but to us, knowing what we know about him now, would you go see him? I don't Johnny know. Heck? I don't know. I think, um, you know, if he's if he's playing in San Diego, I don't know that I go to that show. I still think that um, for a lot of people are still pissed off. Um, I don't think he's necessarily kind of yeah, earned a way back, you know, in the kind of the court of public opinion. I think a, I, I just don't know. Maybe the optics are a little odd and just kind of the way he's coming back. So um, do you think it's about timing for you then? Like, let's I say it's 10 years go society. by, he does all the right things, let's say, for the sake of argument. He starts a, you know, a foundation for well, I don't education know. of... You know, I don't know that he has to be masturbation. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's very difficult <laughs> right. to define now, but the, the building the is very phallic. I, I don't know. I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, you look at some other cats that have done a lot worse things. I mean, if you look at guys like you know, not for nothing. I mean, Mike Tyson did go to prison. You know, Mike Tyson is theoretically paid his debt to society sure. as well. So maybe there's, there's a thing. that wrinkle. And when also this was decades before Me Too. Sure, and the, so no. There's no quantifiable debt that's been paid to society in the court of public opinion, so it's still a little difficult. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's I I don't I mean the dude's going to earn a living. Fine, go, go do your shows. If people want to go see him, go see him. I just don't know uh, that, it, uh, that it's for me. Hmm? Would you go see him? Would I go see him? Yeah. Right now, no. No. But I would not rule it out. I would never. Uh, Bill Cosby? You, no, when was the last time you watched uh, like one of his um, Netflix specials or something? Oh, or one of his well, shows? It, it was before all these allegations, but I have to admit, you know, I don't think one another one has come out. Like I, I, had the I, opportunity. I actually just watched his uh, comedians in cars getting coffee with Seinfeld. I watched it recently again. I saw I an episode, an old episode of Portlandia with him in it, and I kind of cringed a little, but I you watched did? it. I, I, I didn't even think about it, not, not not at the time when I was watching. And this was like a week ago. I watched it again recently. Well, yeah. you you often masturbate while you watch. Yes, comedians and cars get coffee. So it's just probably, He was yeah, actually jerking you were before the episode came on, so <laughs> he just he just plowed right through. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I listen to Pandora a lot, normally comedy channels, and Louis C.K. is in that rotation, and I don't skip it. Yeah. I keep listening, you know. Um, so I don't. You know, I don't I think don't we've know. really. Dis- I don't think we've really solved anything here today. Well, but I think, but there's <laughs> definitely a difference between uh, Louis C.K. and Bill Cosby. Yeah. So the sure. nature of the offense certainly means something. One is white, right? I forget which one. Okay. Probably the one who did Jello commercials. <laughs> Probably. Just based on my knowledge of Jello. <laughs> Wait, what? Why? But uh, there's, I've, I'm. Because Jello's li- colored. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Oh, good God! <laughs> I'd rather not bring race into this already complicated and it is furthermore bad. unnecessary Mark, discussion. Mark's Jello is clear, so he doesn't have red or green Jello. <laughs> nothing grosser than clear Jello. Well, like Pepsi Clear, remember that? That was horrible. Uh, oh, uh, the Crystal Pepsi, oh, Crystal, Crystal Pepsi. Pepsi. That's, Crystal, right. that's right. I remember. You know what? I kind of wish I had one of those right now. <laughs> I don't have one right now. <laughs> oh, Listeners right. might have gotten that illusion. Also, also you could see uh, 
Dan Grimshay um, actually to- uh, pulled his back reaching for that jug. So we're going to need a little heating pad for uh, after the show here, mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. Right, right now, someone just strained his own back, straining for my straining joke. <laughs> Go to YouTube and find And that flashcard is as is actually probably in the video. Uh wow. right. that was hard. We, we covered a lot of uh deep cuts on comedy that weren't very funny. Nope. Maybe we'll put a disclaimer at the beginning of the show about that. But Well, we should put a disclaimer on every show important. saying we're not funny, so <laughs> God, that was that was heavy. That was, but I think it was important, and I'm glad we used our Wait, comedy did we, special. Did we solve anything today? Where, it, uh, where, where are we? See, that's the thing. If you pretend you solve something, it better be comedy. And we are not comedy this week. We're just—it's a discussion worth having. We're just three dudes trying to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. And we—we we hope you empathized with all of us, one of us, perhaps more than the others. But you know, me too is a real thing. And we're not downplaying that bullshit because no one means fucking no. And we also didn't know. mean to call it bullshit. No, no, There's no, no. A lot I'm of... talking about the bullshit against me, too. Right, yeah, that's I got what that. I mean. Ah. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that's some, that's, that is some bullshit. Well, we're on like, record with that and, like, the people harassing cosplayers oh, and yeah, shit can't like that. that we, we do not, yeah. So, I mean, and, we're, and we're not trying to mitigate any of that stuff. Keep but, your dicks in your fucking pants. Sir. All right? Lord. Just... Don't whoop them. Just, what the fuck is your problem? Yeah. I would never think of doing that. It's just nonsense to me. That's why Marky pisses sitting down. I yep. do pee sitting down. Yep. And he, he may have a bunch of weird uh, <laughs> foot things, but he is not a jerk off in front of somebody kind of guy. And that's, that's one of the reasons I love him. Well, if they ask you to, that's different. I'm not saying don't do <laughs> <No>. it. <laughs> Knocks it out, man. Go for it. But so, you know, a girl's got to ask you to do yeah. it. You know, you just don't fucking take it out. It's just, it's not a good form. Yeah, yeah. People, I'm glad. I'm glad we we no, finally gone on record here. I go to the gym quite a bit. I I go to the gym quite a bit, and there's nothing more violating than you turn around and then just some old dude's got his crank out. <laughs> Now, it's fine. You're in a gym, so it's fine. Do it. But it's still uh, shit, shocking yeah. all of a sudden. Whoa. Right. Damn. Yep. Put that bird away. Get a towel. Yes, yes. There you have it, everyone. Uh, Marky advice. My homophobia is raining deep. I don't think that's homophobia. Yep. That's just not want to see a fucking... See someone dropping heat in front of you. You're in a gym, man. I don't think that's. I think you're right. You know, especially when right. he's uh, trying to concentrate on just being inside gym. <laughs> I was in gym. All right, and I think. <laughs> Or Gaim. Gaim! I meant Gaim. Oh. Okay, and I think that's about the quality of punchline we should leave this show on. We've said a lot of things about comedy that didn't make me laugh, but I hope you at home found this. Uh, oh, let's not even try it. That's enough of this. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Oh, this is enough of this. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.